When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Friday, January 6, 2017, here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. No Patriots game for you guys this week, but we will be going over the two AFC playoff games that are coming up this weekend. We welcome in NFL.com homepage editor Chris Capasso to help us sort through some of the matchup potentials we might have for the Patriots in the NFL divisional round. All that and more coming up next. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and clnsradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Patriot Beat Podcast, episode number 157. And I would like to welcome all of you into the year 2017. Hopefully, the year 2017 is a little bit better than 2016 was. But we are off to a great start because we have a load of great football games this weekend. The AFC and NFC wildcard round of the playoffs will be going through all of the games giving you my personal predictions and then Chris Trapasso will be coming on later. So, you know, people want me to talk about the Miami game that the Patches played in week 17. I don't know. Do we need to talk about it? Patriots roll in there. They dominated. Michael Floyd is a legitimate part of the offense. Still iffy about it, but he's playing well. Julian Edelman is back to full health. Martellus Bennett's back to full health. It seems LeGarrette Blunt's still running well. This offensive line is probably the third best going into the playoffs behind the Cowboys and the Raiders. Defense is on point. But one thing we need to squash, people. So I brought this up to Chris before, and it's, you know, the whole narrative behind this Patriots team is that they haven't played anybody this year, and the one team they played, the Seahawks, with a good QB, they lost to. Now, I resent this because you you only play the games that are on your schedule. So it's not like you could say, oh, you know, they went out of their way to play against bad teams. They played the... They played the teams that they played against, and they dominated them, good or bad, whatever you want to say. The only team they didn't dominate after the bye was Seattle because Russell Wilson came out in, like, Seattle's one of three good games they played all year down the stretch, and Russell Wilson just went off. Sometimes Russell Wilson just goes off. But, you know, look at the AFC. Alex Smith, Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, and then, then from there we get the steep drop-off to Brock Osweiler, Connor Cook, and Matt Moore. Like, look, you can't, you can't fault the Patriots for winning the games that are on their schedule and winning them convincingly. The job of every good team, as my buddy Jack Ross will always say, is to beat 
bad teams. If you have bad teams on your schedule, they should not be close games. They should not be riveting to the end. No. Good teams should beat bad teams fully, thoroughly. It's done. And that's what they did this year. They they took down the Jets two times. They took down the Dolphins two times. They took down the Bills two times. Excuse me, no. Lost that game to the Bills because Jacoby Brissett was playing with one hand. But they went 8-0 and on the road this year. Only the seventh time in NFL history that any team has done that. Seventh time. 8-0 on the road is nothing to scoff at. But the good news is, is that they don't even have to play at home during the playoffs. They solidified that number one seed. Got home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So the AFC runs through Gillette now. So we'll, this I mentioned this on the Patriots postgame podcast. That in my opinion at least... This is the best Patriots team since 2007. I think this team is better than the team in 2014 simply because they play more as a team. There aren't any humongo stars out on this team besides Tom Brady like the old team did with with Vince Wilfork and Rob Gronkowski and Darrell Revis. You know, they, they didn't have those players. Well, they, they had those players. Now they don't. They have Brady. And if you look at the rest of the offense, there are no superstars. I mean, Martellus Bennett is a great tight end, but he's not a superstar. Neither is Julian Edelman. Like, they, these guys aren't bigger than the game of football. And, you know, even on the defensive side of the ball, their best player on defense is Malcolm Butler. Half the country doesn't even know who he is outside of that Super Bowl catch. And... Devin McCourty is still the most, one of the more underrated players in the entire NFL. So this isn't a team built to superstars. This is a team that is built around winning football games. This is a team that is built winning around situational football, going into a game saying, all right, you know, we're down 10 points with seven minutes to go. Let's buckle up and win this game. And they do. They win situational football. Go listen to what Belichick says every single week. Situational football is how you win, and that's how the Patriots have been have been sweeping these games all throughout the year, whether it's, you know, before the half, after the half, here and there, you know, 10-point swings, 14-point swings. I mean, the the even, the, like, look at the Shea McClellan play where Dolphins, you know, just score before the half, come down the field, very close to scoring again, boom, fumble, Devin McCourty forced a fumble at the Pats 20-yard line, McClellan brings it 70 yards back, and the Patriots score a touchdown. 14-point swing. That is situational football, and that is how this team has been winning all year. So we need to stop with this talk about, oh, their schedule is this and that. Oh, the blah, 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 the schedule, the schedule, the schedule. They have played the games that they were given, and that's it. So let's get into the first AFC playoff game before we uh, – yeah, before we get into our first break. So the first game I want to talk about is the Steelers-Dolphins game since we're already on the uh, topic of the Miami Dolphins. So the Steelers go into this game fully healthy Big Ben, fully healthy uh, Le'Veon Bell, fully healthy Antonio Brown, a decent enough offensive line to make it all work, uh, including one of the better guards in football, David DeCastro, who I love watching – uh, they got that Alejandro Villanueva guy at left tackle, the Navy guy. He's really cool. He's massive. But again, you look at the defensive side of the ball. You look at a team that has a solid front seven when it comes to James Harrison, Stephen Tewitt, uh Cameron Hayward, I believe. Yeah, Cameron Hayward. 
a bunch of really good players in that front seven. The linebacking core is okay, kind of old. I mean, Lawrence Timmons is Lawrence Timmons. Ryan Shazier hasn't really turned into the player they hoped. He can't really stay on the field, but he's still a good player on his day. But uh, Mike Mitchell is an okay safety. But outside of that, that secondary is trash. The, the, the secondary is trash. They, they have no good cornerbacks. William Gay, I think, has been on that team since before I was born. Artie Burns is a, is a rookie. He's had some good plays here and there, but not as a man cover corner. Their their second safety, I think, it, is it still Shamarco Thomas? I'm not I'm not 100 sure, but the, their secondary isn't very good. I mean, you any secondary that can get thrashed by Joe Flacco for close to 30 points is not what I'd call a great defense, a great secondary. So that's their biggest weakness. And to be totally honest, they're going against a Dolphins team that likes to throw the ball. Matt Moore has the third highest QBR in the NFL since week four, week 13, since he went and, uh, since he started, excuse me. And he, no, the, the Dolphins passing game hasn't been terrible. I mean, he wasn't great against the Patriots, because, you know, there's a team he's not going to be great against. Probably going to be the Pats. But, you know, Jarvis Landry is a great... Uh, I, <sighs> Jarvis Landry is a very interesting wide receiver. Because a lot of his plays are made for him in the way that they just... You know, they design plays around him and he executes those plays. But he never makes anything for himself. So it's difficult to call out whether he's great or not, but he's certainly fiery. I love, love, love the comparison that people make to him and Heinz Ward. I think that is a perfect comparison. Very similar players when it comes to talent. You know, we'll see if he's a Hall of Famer like Heinz Ward most likely will be, but when it comes to uh, athleticism, skill, and certainly on-field uh, presence, I believe Jarvis Landry and Heinz Ward, especially at this point in Jarvis Landry's career compared to Heinz Ward's career at the same time, I think that is a good comparison to make. And then they have Devontae Parker on the other side. The guy is massive. I, I remember watching him at Louisville when he played against Boston College. I covered that game. He dominated him. It, the, the guy, if he wants to, can just boss anybody. He can boss any uh, excuse me, cornerback or safety that he wants to. He's huge, he's fast, and he's a big-time target. But, I mean, outside of that, uh, receiving-wise, you know, Deion Sims at tight end isn't what you call a high-quality guy. I am, I have never been on the, Kenny, on the Kenny Stills train. I think he's good at running straight. And that's... Kind of it. But I guess for your number three wide receiver, that's not the worst thing to have is to have a pretty superior deep threat. So, you know, Kenny Stills is good. Jarvis Landry is a very good wide receiver. Devontae Park can be good if he wants to be. So expect the Dolphins to throw the ball a lot when they go into Pittsburgh. Um, but as well, I mean, J.H.I., when it came into college, uh, came from Boise State. I remember him just watching him at Boise State. It reminds me a lot of you know what we're going to see with Darnell Pumphrey coming out of San Diego State. Darnell Pumphrey leads the NCAA all-time in rushing yards. Jay Jai put up 2,000 yards, I believe, in one collegiate season. I think is Boise State's all-time leading rusher, which isn't to say much because Boise State's only been good for about the past decade and a half, two decades, but... He was, he was a huge guy for that team, and he comes out, has a rough first year. They finally go, okay, Jai, it's, you know, it's like week four. This is your role. Go be the lead back. We're going to give you 25 carries a game. And he, he went off. I mean, he, he put up 200 yards, what, four times? 
three times. Plus, not to mention, I believe maybe eight or nine rushing touchdowns. He is a little bit injury prone. I know he has a pretty bum shoulder, but excuse me, Jay Ajayi is a quality running back in the NFL, and they have a good enough offensive line to make up for any deficiencies that he might have. But he's a powerful runner. He's hard to bring down. He's quick, uh, good feet. Just I, I just think he has a little bit of a problem when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to staying healthy, but again, we'll see. We'll 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 we'll, we'll see what happens with JJ throughout his career. But looking at this game specifically, I see a game that the Pittsburgh Steelers is going to absolutely dominate. This this back seven of the Dolphins defense is bad, 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 bad. Ever since Rashad Jones went down, I think he's not playing anymore. I think Rashad Jones was done for the season, but. Ever since Rashad Jones went down, it, 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 it's been a massacre. I mean, they don't have a single corner that I think is is worth a crap. Yeah, he, he's out for the year. He had a really nasty shoulder injury in October. But, you know, ever since he went down, I mean, Kiko Alonso is not really good anymore. Jelani Jenkins, you know, Jelani Jenkins. I mean, they don't have great corners. They don't have great safeties. They've been getting, they got ripped apart by the Bills, as Chris Chapasso will bring up uh, a little bit later when we bring him on. But this, this, this defense of the Dolphins needs a lot of work. And don't get me wrong, Pats fans, you should be very scared of this Dolphins team. I mean, they have a very good offense settled down. I think Tannehill, surrounded by the right guys, can lead them to the playoffs. I think, you know, this defense keeps growing with Ndamukong Sue still there. With Well, I mean, Cameron Wake might be on his last leg, so they might have a year or two left of him. But Rashad Jones come back next year. They build up a couple of these linebackers. This is a great, great front seven and back seven. This is a great defensive draft across the board. So watch out for this Dolphins team in the next coming years. All they need to do is really revamp that defense. They got young targets for that offense. They have a decent enough offensive line if Pouncey can stay healthy. And J.H.I. is only like 23-24. So this isn't the year for the Dolphins. They will get better. But unfortunately, they're going against a Pittsburgh Steelers team. Big Ben in his prime. Le'Veon Bell is the best running back in football. Antonio Brown is the best wide receiver in football. I mean, you know, they, they got that, uh, they got Jesse James at, a. Uh, at tight end, who's basically Heath Miller 2.0. So this Steelers team is going to make a dent in the playoffs simply because it's so imperative to be able to run the ball in the playoffs. I mean, for heck, the thing that won the Broncos, besides Chris Harper fumbling the ball on a punt return, the thing that won the Broncos that AFC Championship game was C.J. Anderson being a boss throughout the entire playoffs. Look at look at the Panthers last year. The reason that they had such a good year and then dominating the playoffs was because they had the ability to run the ball. And if you look at the remaining teams in the AFC, no one can run the ball better than the Pittsburgh Steelers simply because Le'Veon Bell is just better than everyone else. So if you're going to ask me who's going to win this game, I say... Pittsburgh Steelers 31, Miami Dolphins 17. Dolphins aren't going to be able to roll into a frigid Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Heinz Field and win this game. I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to give this one to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, that, that three, I think it's very fair. I, I, I should have said this at the beginning of the show. I love the seeding for, for this year. I think it is perfectly seeded. Uh, when it goes to Pats 1, Chiefs 2, Steelers 3, Texans 4, Raiders 5, and then Dolphins 6. You could say you can make an argument that the Raiders are a better team than the Texans. But hey, 
we'll see this weekend. And speaking of that game, that was a fire transition. Uh, we're going to take one quick break before we talk about the Raiders versus Texans game. So stay tuned and we'll be right back. Episode number 157 is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. It's the new year, which means a fresh start for your business and a great year starts with making great hires. But posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites and now you can. With ZipRecruiter, you can jumpstart your hiring in 2017, post your job to 200 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy to use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 1 million businesses. And right now, my listeners can post job on ZipRecruiter's for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-P-O-R-T-S-F-A-N. One more time, try for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. Welcome back to Patriots Beat. So let's take a look at the second game of the AFC playoff game that we get this week, and that is the Raiders versus the Texans. It is the backup quarterback bowl. We have Connor Cook going against Brock Osweiler. And let me make this very clear. This is the second time in two years that Brock Osweiler has been benched right before the playoffs. And I get it. You know, the first time it was because Peyton Manning was coming back and they wanted him to lead into the Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. He still got benched before the playoffs. And then he got benched again two weeks, three weeks before the playoffs and probably wouldn't have his starting spot if Tom Savage didn't get a concussion. So Brock Osweiler gets the face on an Oakland Raiders defense that I like a lot. It, it's... It is the definition of a hit-or-miss defense. It's going to dominate you all game, force turnovers, get sacks as much as it can, or it's going to completely fold, no one can cover, touchdowns all over the place. I mean, horrible. Go look at the the game against the Indianapolis Colts. The first half of the first half, they hold the Colts to eight total points. Or I believe through the first two and a half quarters, they hold the Colts to eight points. Sacks, turnovers. Uh, QB pressures, just everything going right on defense. And then Derek Carr goes down and the Colts end up scoring 34 points. There's your miss. You know, you got your swing and then your miss. So now they're going against a Texans team that, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Lamar Miller, CJ Federowitz, decent enough offensive line. I mean, this Texans offense isn't horrible, but, you know, it goes by the beat of whatever the quarterback is drumming. And Brock Osweiler is drumming some crazy beat that no one seems to get a read off of. It just honestly doesn't work. Just some, but, 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 like just some crap that Brock Osweiler is throwing out there. But you know, still have DeAndre Hopkins, one of the best wide receivers in all of football. Lamar Miller, when you actually give him carries and time, can perform at a very high level for the running back position. CJ Ferdurowitz is a good all-around guy, has decent hands, good blocking skills, uh, can come off the line really well. He's no Gronk, he's no Travis Kelsey, but he can certainly get the job done for a team that needs a quality tight end. But th- th- this Texans defense, though, is something that I really love. I mean... I, we all love Vince Wilfork. 
you know, I hope he one day retires as a Patriot. Uh, you know, he probably will. Probably a Hall of Fame player. I, I believe so. One of the great nose tackles of the 21st century. Completely, uh, you know, re... I don't even want to say he redefined the position, but he definitely bought, brought a sense of old-fashioned football back to the nose tackle position and was an absolute force his entire career. I loved Davian Clowney. It took him a little while to start fitting expectations. He was always a great run stopper, but this year, the, the guy's everywhere. He's finally realized how to uh, use his athleticism and explosiveness to attach it to his power. Remember... All defensive ends, speed to power, speed to power, speed to power. How do you convert speed into power to get around offensive linemen? It's one of the things that Trey Flowers is so good at, which is what I kept pointing out to you people, that he's basically been the Patriots' like third best player on defense this year. But Jadavian Clowney understands speed to power now as good as anyone in the NFL. Chris Traposa will talk about him a lot as well when we bring him on. But I love... Love Jadavian Clowney. Love Vince Wilfork. Brian Cushing will tackle just about anything that you put in front of him. Uh, they have this new guy, A.J. Bowie, at corner, who's actually been performing at a pretty high level this season. He'll have his ups and downs. He'll have his pass interference penalties. But Pro Football Focus has him at fourth, maybe fifth on their list. I got to check that one. But, you know, the the, the Texans defense, you know, I, I, I'm someone, you, you all know me. I, I don't really like judging defenses based off of yardage. But, you know, this this defense is for the for the Houston Texans. It's it's still just good despite them leading the NFL in yards per games which, you know, which is just, you know, my least favorite statistic when it comes to football. But you still need to be okay in order to do that. I mean, you know, yards per game, they're, uh, they're allowing the least. I believe points per game, they are 11th in the NFL. So still one of the better teams, uh, still one of the better defenses in football. It's actually really interesting if you look at the points per game leaders and you look at it compared to the teams in the NFL. Pats are one, Giants are two, Seattle are three, Dallas is five, KC is seven, Pittsburgh is 10, Houston is 11th. I believe the worst team, Green Bay is 21st. And I believe after that, that they are probably the lowest. No, Oakland's 20th, but Green Bay and Oakland are back-to-back. So, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, Houston being 11th with that defense is definitely high quality. And, excuse me, this should be a good game. Um, if the Unless the quarterbacks just, just suck. I mean, it's very possible. We don't know how good Connor Cook is going to be. We don't know how good Brock Osweiler is going to be. I mean, we kind of do. But we kind of don't. We'll see what happens with Connor Cook. So it would definitely be interesting to see what happens in this football game. I am going to give this score prediction. You know, this is a this is an Oakland Raiders team that rolled into Denver with nothing. They just pooped out they brought nothing to the table the emotion the fire it was gone and I just I find it hard to believe that Connor Cook in Houston is going to be able to take this Raiders team that hasn't been to the playoffs in 14 15 years and lead them to a victory it's just so sad what happened to this team on the precipice of maybe being the one seed in the AFC 
And with a game and a half left in the 2016 or 2017 NFL season, they lose Derek Carr, and now they're the five seed and have to go into Houston against a very good defense. I I I think the Texans are going to pull this one out. Give me give me the Houston Texans in a low scoring game. Give me the Houston Texans 20 to 17, maybe on a last second field goal by Nick Novak, Randy Bullock. I don't even know who the kicker is for them anymore. So. I'm going to go with the Houston Texans uh, to win this game. We're going to go Houston Texans and Pittsburgh Steelers. Sorry, no wild card victories for uh, for your boy Harris Rubenstein this year. So we're now going to bring on Chris Trapasso. Uh, I'm not going to get into the NFC playoff game simply because we'll get into those after the wild card game. I mean, you know, the 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 Giants might beat the Packers and the Lions are probably going to lose. There you go. You know, the the, the Packers will probably win. Because Aaron Rodgers is on fire, and the Lions aren't a very good football team, so they'll probably lose. So there you go. You got my predictions. Packers and Lions will, or Packers will win. I don't even know who the Lions are playing. Who are the Lions playing? Lions are playing. Must be the NFC West. Seattle. Seattle playing Seattle. Seattle's going to beat the heck out of them in Seattle. So Seahawks will win. As of the Packers, no wild card teams going into the top four. So. We'll see. So that's going to be it for me. We're going, to, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to throw in Chris Trapasso into the fire to see what he has to say and how he thinks that these matchups might help the Patriots in a couple weeks. So we'll be right back. Not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. I know that me personally, when I was living in a college dorm, I used Blue Apron in order to get my fresh ingredients so that me and my roommate Jack could cook up some nice meals, maybe some fresh steaks, maybe some good chili, some quality stuff. And it's also a very fun holiday gift, so maybe for a nice Valentine's Day gift or a nice birthday gift coming up, I would give it to, I wouldn't give it to a girlfriend, obviously Blue Apron would be a little rough, but give it to a family member, maybe they can get some high quality ingredients in their life. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals, so they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. So check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash patriots. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash patriots. Blue Apron a better way to cook. Welcome back into Patriot Speed. It's now time for our featured guest segment brought to you by ZipRecruiter.com. This week, we are very happy to welcome back in uh, Chris Traposo back from NFL.com. Chris, it is the best time of the year. It is playoff football. We have two or four very nice games coming up this weekend, but we're going to focus on the AFC before we get to the NFC. Chris, you know, let's start with this Raiders-Texans game. We have two backup quarterbacks. You know, L- Lamar Miller has been ailing this year, but the Raiders still have that sick running game with uh, with Dwayne Washington and uh, Latavius Murray. What do you see coming out of that game with these two quarterbacks? Um, I think I see the Raiders winning this game just because I think overall they have a better team. And it's been really interesting with the Texans in that, you know, J.J. Watt goes down this year and everyone kind of thought that, their entire defense was going to kind of fall apart, but 
um, they actually were better this year than they've been the last couple years. And, and, and it's not a defense. I mean, there's obviously Jadavian Clowney there, but it's not a defense that has a ton of, you know, marquee names. Um, but just as a unit, they play really well. Um, I just think the Raiders offensive line, um, is it's not really a sexy thing to bring up, but the Raiders offensive line, I think is going to be the biggest kind of player in this game in that the Cowboys offensive line deservedly has gotten a ton of love this season, even going back to last year as the best group in the NFL. But really when you look at uh, what the Raiders can do up front to you, and even if you can't throw the football with their car 40, 50 times, they can really uh, move defensive linemen, linebackers. So I think um, even though it's Connor Cook, he's a rookie third string guy, Brock Osweiler hasn't really impressed at all when he's played. So I think just, because of what the Raiders have in their offensive line and their skill position players, I see them winning a, a lower scoring game, but I think their offensive weapons and just um, all the assets that they have on that side of the ball far outweighs what the Texans can do to you on offense. And it's not like Connor Cook is totally incapable as a quarterback. I mean, he was pretty good coming out of Michigan State. I believe he led them to a couple bowl games. And, I mean, this is the second year in a row now where Brock uh, Osweiler, excuse me, Brock Brock Osweiler has been benched by an incoming playoff team. Now I get for the Broncos, it was for Peyton Manning. But, I mean, you get benched for Tom Savage, you need to start questioning your career goals. Yeah, no, totally. And I mean, obviously that's been a pretty big uh, storyline this year that Brock, I- uh, Brock Osweiler <laughs> signs a big contract and is really, I mean, not even just didn't live up to those expectations that came with the contract, but was arguably the worst quarterback that was starting um, in in the NFL this year. He had some really ghastly uh, performances where he was throwing for under 100 yards, under 150 yards, um, even when he was thrown 30, 35 times. Um, his accuracy wasn't there, decision-making, really all the checkpoints that you would look at a quarterback and kind of assess uh, pocket movement. He just seemed uncomfortable this year. And it's, it was really weird to see DeAndre Hopkins last year. Um, there was really a carousel um, in Houston. There was Brian Hoyer throwing him the football, and he just had a ridiculous uh, year in 2015 this year, he was really, you know, I mean, if anyone drafted him on their fantasy team, they did not get the output that they were expecting. Um, so I think, yeah, Connor Cook, uh, it's a good point that he has played in a ton of really big games. Um, and really, if you watch the Raiders this year, and I'm not taking anything away from Derek Carr because before his injury, I don't think he was the front row front runner twin the MVP but he was certainly in the discussion but I mean Michael Crabtree made I would say 10 to 20 maybe even more than that ridiculously good catches in traffic um, as he's taking a pass interference call Amari Cooper can separate as well as any wide receiver in the NFL he's got a great catch radius as well Um, they have a lot of talent at wide receiver, they have a decent collection of tight ends with Clive Walford. Um, and really with that running game and just with how well that offensive line can protect, like I mentioned earlier, um, it's a really, I almost see them as kind of the mini version of the Cowboys or the AFC version, the, the AFC light version of the Cowboys that they're built very similarly on offense. And it really gives any quarterback and especially a rookie quarterback really an environment that that really helps them succeed. 
I like that a lot. Cowboys light uh, in the in the AFC. So also looking at the, this Texans team, you know, on on the other side of the ball, Jadavian Clowney this year has become easily one of my favorite players to watch on film. The guy is everywhere. He started his first couple of years just being a decent run guy, but he's he's now all over the place. I, I'm I'm convinced that JJ Watt every single practice takes him under his wing and just shows him how to play football. The, the, this guy has been outstanding. Vince Wilfork's had a you know, at a very Vince Wilfork-esque season. Brian Cushing tackles anything that's right in front of him. And then they have this kid, A.J. Bowie, who's had one of the best years of any quarterback this year. Even with uh, this offensive line with the Raiders and a nice running game, this Texas defense was still ranked number one in total yards. I, I don't believe in total yards. But do you think their defense could be enough to let them swing a game? I mean, the Texans have to win a playoff game eventually, don't they? Yeah, um, I think the only way that it could um, is if they can kind of cause some turnovers, whether that be a strip sack, you know, tipped interception, or, I mean, just a just a normal interception early in the game to kind of get Connor Cook um, uncomfortable. But it, it certainly is a, a really well-rounded defense. And as most really good defenses are, they're really good up front. And I think the thing with Clowney is that he came into the NFL with such amazing burst at his size, and he was able to win with pure speed and explosion, even in the SEC, which is really saying something, at South Carolina. But I think you're right that J.J. Watt, when you really watch him play, I mean, he's obviously arguably the, you know, pound for pound, the best athlete in the NFL. But when you watch J.J. Watt, he's not just winning with strength or with speed. He uses his hands. He has four, five, six different pass rushing moves. And when you watch Clowney this year, he's not just winning with speed or just winning with power. He's using a swim move. He's using a rip move, inside counter move. He really didn't have a ton of those coming out. And I think that was, if there was any kind of criticism or skepticism about him going number one overall, it was that you're getting this freak of an athlete, um, but someone that doesn't have, you know, a, a Joey Bosa type amount of pass rushing skills. But I think moving him around, he's playing, you know, inside sometimes on third downs. He's playing against the right tackles, left tackles, and he's used those pass rushing moves that he's kind of learned over the last couple of years. Um, makes him extremely dangerous. Uh, and you're right. I think it's going to be a good matchup. I think even if those two sides kind of um, negate each other, being the Raiders offense and that really stellar uh, Houston front seven, I just can't see uh, Brock Osweiler, any uh, Houston Texans quarterback, leading them down the field and, and scoring enough points to win this game. So also looking at the other game that we have, we have a, a – I would consider this to be probably the the most obvious playoff game as to what the result is going to be. Steelers Dolphins, you know, I understand the Dolphins have been pretty hot this year. You know, they had that ridiculous win streak in the middle of the year, but they they just got thrashed by the Patriots on uh, the last game of the year, and they're now welcoming or they're walking into Pittsburgh. It's going to be freezing. Plus Le'Veon Bell, plus Antonio Brown, and Big Ben. That offensive line has exceeded a lot of expectations this year. I'm still a little up in the air about the Steelers secondary, but this is this is probably they are accurately seeded. This is the third best team in the AFC. Do the Dolphins have a shot in this game? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, I mean, I guess it would be good for us to have some opposition here on this podcast, but I 
I really don't think so. And, and I think you really hit the nail on, uh, on the head, really, on all those points. Um, Jay Ajayi, you know, obviously ran for 200 yards against the Steelers when the Dolphins beat the Steelers earlier in the season. But really going back just to watch some film um, from that game, uh, which I did yesterday, they look like totally different teams than they are now. And obviously playing down, down in Miami when it was, you know, perfect weather compared to being 19 degrees up in Pittsburgh. The Steelers have played many games in that type of weather. Ben Roethlisberger, obviously, a lot of playoff games when it's been colder. They can lean on Le'Veon Bell. Um, and then when they start to lean on him, then you have Antonio Brown, you have Eli Rogers. Um, you have Ladarius Green. There's they have a lot of weapons, and they have a two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. I think if Ryan Tannehill was playing in this game, it, there would be a chance because the Dolphins have done a good job to kind of build around him with Devontae Parker, Jarvis Landry. Um, I just don't see Matt Moore going into Pittsburgh and beating the Steelers team that's healthy. Um, I do think the Dolphins could score some points, but um, the Dolphins defense. For as good as they are on their defensive line, or they have, you know, Indomitian Sue, Cameron Wake, the rest of that defense, the secondary, um, we saw the Bills put up 31 points against them in the second to last week of the season. And then obviously, like you mentioned, Tom Brady just completely thrashed that uh, defense last week. Just don't think in their linebacking group, the rest of their D-line and their secondary is good enough to hold Ben Roethlisberger and that offense to, you know, 14, 17 points, which what they would probably need to win a game, maybe 20 to 17 or 17, 14. I think the Steelers are going to score a lot of points. Dolphins will get their yards because Ajayi is a really, you know, low center of uh, low center of gravity, agile kind of power back. I just don't think that they have enough firepower on each side to stay with the uh, Steelers in Pittsburgh. I do need to correct you there because it was actually Michael Floyd who single-handedly destroyed this offense secondary. So, but but with that being said, you know, let's say it does come out with the Steelers uh, beating the Dolphins, and let's just say the Raiders pull it out. Your last four teams, AFC, the Pats, the Chiefs, the Steelers, and the Raiders. And on Twitter, at least, there seems to be this overarching theme about the Pats that they that they haven't played anyone this year that they might not be as good but i argue that you know good teams are supposed to beat bad teams and that's all that they've done this year is they beat down and dominated bad teams especially the last 5 weeks so are you a believer in this patriots team or do you think it's a factor of just having i i can agree easily one of the one of the easiest schedules in the nfl well i think nfl games are nfl games actually the director of uh, communications for the NFL tweeted out that this season had the, the, of all the games that were played in the regular season, this season had the, the smallest margin of victory since like 1935 or something 70, 80 years ago. So I think, and we've seen teams like the Lions, like the Dolphins, the Giants win a lot of these close games. And a lot of those games were against teams that you know, didn't finish with uh, a winning record. So I think to your point, that makes a lot of sense that there are games where you see other teams than the Patriots, because the Patriots seem to never really play down to their opponents. They, that teams play down to their opponents um, that aren't as good. And they end up losing a game that, you know, ends up costing them either a first round buy or home field advantage in the playoffs. Um, so I don't think the Patriots schedule really has anything to do with it. I think the only real um, kind of hiccup or just kind of uh, issue that I would have maybe with the Patriots is that I think 
not having Jamie Collins could hurt them a bit just because about how versatile he was as a blitzer in coverage. I mean, in the last couple of playoffs, he's had some big interceptions. Um, he certainly freelanced a little bit, and that kind of led to his release. And Dante Hightower is really, really good. Um, but beyond that, Tom Brady has been, you know, he's arguably had his, you know, a, a top three uh, season in his career uh, over these last uh, 12 games. The receiving core, I mean, certainly to have Gronkowski would make this team basically unstoppable. But the receiving core with Michael Floyd, like you mentioned, is still really good, really productive. Julian Edelman had a career year. Um, the offensive line is not really an issue that we saw, you know, back in 2014. Um, and the defense, there have been some times um, over the last couple of years where the defense, especially in the secondary, was not very good. I don't think that's a problem anymore. Um, so any anyone kind of saying that, hey, the Patriots kind of just were gifted this season, I think they handled their business, and I think we'll see in the playoffs that they are the best team in the AFC. And it's also kind of easy to look at that offense and just recognize that you know, the, the receiving core that Brady has had over the past couple of years outside of Gronkowski has been, you know, iffy to say the least. I'm, a, I'm as big of a fan of uh, Danny Amendola as anyone, but, you know, it, it's still Danny Amendola at the end of the day. But this year he comes out with uh, now Chris Hogue and uh, Michael Floyd. Malcolm Mitchell's had a great first season. Michael Bennett's been great. Uh, Deion Lewis, uh, fun fact, the, the Patriots have not lost the game that Deion Lewis has started ever for the Patriots. So, I don't know. I, I look at this team, and I, I see a team that's not really built around superstars. I just see a team that's that's run well, wins situational football, and just is just playing better sometimes. I mean, the, the only team, the team that I hope comes into Foxborough is the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs-Patriots game would be the best football game we see all season. Yeah, and I think just like one more point about the Patriots, I think when you look at the receiving core – yeah, it's not, you know, um, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, you know, guys that are going to be listed in the top five receivers in the league. But I think Bill Belichick has done an amazing job. And he's certainly tweaked things from when he had Randy Moss to when he had Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski to what he has now. The receiving core that, that uh, Bill Belichick has, has acquired and kind of created over the last few years that we're seeing play so well now it's a receiving group, and certainly Deion Lewis, James White are um, a part of that, that excels after the catch. And Tom Brady um, is probably the best quarterback maybe of all time, identifying man coverage, zone coverage. And once those receivers get on the same page with him and they can recognize whether it's zone or man, he throws them. I mean, it's, it's a very West Coast offense type. Uh, system, a lot of short passing, make teams, make defensive backs tackle in the open field, which the Patriots are a great tackling team, and most teams are not that good at tackling. So when you look at Edelman, then you look at Amendola, like you mentioned, obviously Deion Lewis is extremely elusive. James White, um, even Bennett for a huge tight end, he can make guys a mess. So I think the receiving core does not have superstars necessarily, but they have a, a really scary um, group because it's it's one that when you play them, your your safety is going to have to tackle. Your linebackers are going to have to tackle someone who's extremely athletic in space. So I think that's um, a really good job by by Bill by Bill Belichick to kind of identify um, the type of receiver that he wants, even if he's not a you know a first round pick or someone that is going to get a huge deal in free agency. And I agree with you that that I think. 
um, the Chiefs Patriots game just because those are almost teams that are that are very similar in that you know obviously the Chiefs use a lot of yards after the catch. Tyree Kill has been just a godsend for that team that really needed a jolt of offense, and they don't need to throw the ball downfield to him. They can give it to him on reverses, jet sweeps, bubble screens. Um, and that is a defense up front in the secondary that you would think would be able to kind of match up with the Patriots. So for as much as the, the uh, Ben Roethlisberger, uh, Tom Brady, Steelers, Patriots, AFC title game would be, I think the better, more competitive game, like you mentioned, would be Chiefs-Patriots. So let's quickly uh, just run through the uh, the two NFC games. Give me your two winners to the uh, to the two games we have on the NFC side of things. I will always have a conscience fear of the New York Giants with a good defense, but this is the worst Eli Manning I think we have ever seen coming into his age thirty six year. He he's he's just been bad. He's just been bad. Calling a spade a spade. He's been bad. So give me your two winners out of these NFC games, and then we'll get your Super Bowl prediction. Sure. Um, I think uh, the Lions will keep it close um, with the Seahawks, but kind of like we've seen over the last five years, a defensive play late, whether it be a strip sack by Cliff Averill um, or tipped interception, something like that will, will kind of be the undoing of the Lions late in that game. I think Matt Stafford hasn't played well over the final three games when they lost their final three games, but still snuck into the playoffs. But overall, he's been much better um, over the last year and a half. But I just think even without Earl Thomas, um, the Seahawks at home in the playoffs are a really tough team to beat. And I think I agree with you. I think um, the Giants defense kind of out of nowhere. I mean, they did spend like crazy in free agency, but they didn't start the year that well. And they've been really, really good of late. I just think Aaron Rodgers is so locked in right now. And, and really what, what you were talking about, about how, you know, this has been the worst Eli Manning that we've seen in a long time. If you're just going quarterback against quarterback, and certainly the Packers don't have the uh, well-rounded defense that the Giants do, even, um, Aaron Rodgers has been considerably, like, miles better than Eli Manning. So usually in the playoffs, um, I think quarterbacks even have a greater impact on the game. And I think with his full complement of receivers, Ty Montgomery kind of giving a uh, added element to the running game. And obviously they can split them out wide um, if they want to. Jared Cook being there, you know, when's the last time Aaron Rodgers had a really, really good tight end? Um, not that I think Jared Cook is an all pro, but he certainly uh, threatens a defense with his speed and, and his athleticism. Um, I think, the Packers win, I'm not going to say handily, but maybe by a touchdown or by 10 points. Down or 10 points. Sounds about good for me. Before we let you go, Chris, give me your, give me your Super Bowl prediction because I don't think we'll be able to get you on before uh, we uh, head to Super Bowl week. What, what do you think? Who, who are uh, competitors? Well, we've all kind of wanted this for a long time, and it's never happened, but I would love to see a Patriots-Packers Super Bowl just – for that quarterback matchup that I was just talking about. Um, who knows how long Tom Brady's going to play. It seems like he can play forever. Same with Aaron Rodgers. But to get these guys, when they're still in their 30s, um, having remarkable seasons and especially getting uh, very hot down the stretch, I think, and there's certainly other teams, the Falcons would be really interesting as well. But I just really 
trust Aaron Rodgers. I think even if his defense gets him into a little bit of a hole, he can get his team out of that hole. He's got Jordy Nelson, uh, Randall Cobb. There's been a, just so many good weapons on that team. Devontae Adams kind of broke out of the slump that uh, he was in last year. Um, so I think that – I think the Packers come out of the NFC, and I think – Again, if, if the Patriots get the Steelers, um, I, I actually think that game would be a little bit easier for them. The Chiefs will give the Patriots some trouble. But, I mean, again, when you're going um, – when you're in the playoffs, you really have to take, a, a, I think, a longer look at the quarterback matchup. And Alex Smith has played better. He has shown some ability to throw down the field, which he didn't really show in his first couple of years with the Chiefs, and that really limited their offense. Um, but I think – being at home, I, I can't see any team going into Foxborough and unseating the Patriots. So I think Patriots, Packers, um, it's kind of one more that I want to see, but I really think that will be this year's Super Bowl matchup. Wonderful. Chris Trapasso, the NFL.com homepage editor. Chris, thank you for joining us this week. I, uh, I hope you have a nice weekend with all the great games we have. All right, Harris. Thanks a lot. Have a good one. Lovely to have Chris on again, a very good friend of the show. But that's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat Podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Please also listen to the Patriots Post Game Show every single weekend, 929-477-2386. If you'd like to call in, I'll be on every 15 minutes just to give my thoughts on the games. But this weekend, we will be having a show after the last AFC wildcard game so we can discuss who the Patriots matchup will be but today's show is presented to you today by blue apron go to blueapron.com slash patriots to get your first three meals for free with free shipping by ZipRecruiter. go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sports fan to post jobs for free music was provided by high 209 and joshua morse want to thank our guest again chris trapasso from NFL.com, their homepage editor. So for Patriots content manager, Michael Longi, CLNS radio executive producer, Larry H. Russell, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso. I want everyone to go follow me on Twitter at CLNS underscore sports team. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-T-E-I-N. This has been Harris Rubenstein, and this is the Patriots B podcast powered by CLNS radio. Enjoy some playoff football this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>